Welcome to the Propel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We are speaking with Sarah Allen. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist out of the University of Florida and a certified eating intuitive eating counselor. She currently works as a nutrition coach for an online health and wellness platform, and she's a staff dietitian at a psychiatric hospital. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So today I wanted to talk especially about intuitive eating um, and trying to understand how that can significantly impact our relationship with food. So first, let's start. What is the general definition of intuitive eating? Yeah, absolutely. So intuitive eating um, was actually created by two registered dietitians uh, who are eating disorder specialists. Their names are Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich. And Basically, they worked together um, in their practices and saw common themes among their patients, their eating disorder patients, and, you know, kind of built on what they were struggling with and any breakthroughs that they had and really compiled all that information to make a meaningful kind of ideology around food and uh, really challenge what is the norm for food today. Like what we're like a lot of the marketing that we're being fed, they, they really, they pieced it together. (laughs) So why does that concept exist? Obviously they dealt with a lot of people that had uh, issues with eating and maybe an abnormal relationship with food, but why is that even an issue to begin with? Yeah. So um, really, intuitive eating was designed to challenge diet culture and basically like give the power of eating and food choice back to us um, as eaters, as humans. Uh, It feels like there's a lot of rules and regulations and like what to do and what not to do around food these days. Um, But they really they put their heads together and built these 10 principles um, that encourage critical thinking and really like guide you to becoming in tune with your body and listening to those innate needs. And so just like a brief overview, those 10 principles are to reject the diet mentality, honor your hunger, make peace with food, challenge the food police, discover the satisfaction factor, feel your fullness, cope with your emotions with kindness, respect your body, use movement to feel the difference, and then honor your health with gentle nutrition. So those are all, I mean, it's such like an all-encompassing kind of thought process, but um, at a really large glance, that's that's kind of what they focused on. So let's talk about the, the reason that intuitive eating is important as as far as why do people struggle with food so much yeah so um their very first principle reject the diet mentality is basically touches on you know calling out this never-ending cycle that we might not even notice that we're in uh it's that dieting cycle that feels so good and so morally just uh sometimes it can be like 
a societal um, something to, to do in society, you know, oh, we're starting this diet tomorrow. And it can be like a fun thing to do with friends, or it can be something to make you feel better about yourself, or, you know, just all of these, you know, meet that that image that society has deemed worthy of praise, worthy of good health or beauty. And so if that's what's being pushed on us, um, it's really tough to kind of to start cracking that and like breaking that down and really looking at it from the perspective of, am I, why, like, why is this, why is that what is the norm right now? How, how can we, restructure sort of what we want for ourselves and um, look at it from a more, you know, intuitive perspective, truly. Right. Uh, so the, one of the, the principles to make peace with food actually um, really addresses that, like, yes, society is going to tell us all of this, but we need to start with ourselves and with leveling the playing field for all foods. Um, studies actually show that outlawing specific foods is not effective and actually sets you up for overeating in the long run. Um, you know, is it realistic to say I'm never going to eat a chocolate chip cookie again? Probably not. But in the moment, we feel like that's what we need to do to make ourselves like, like morally on the high ground or like, oh, I, I really overdid it. Um, last weekend when we went out for pizza, like I was bad mm -hmm. that like a feeling good and bad is really, it doesn't give us that unconditional permission to eat, which is actually, um, a little sub concept in this one that kind of became a little controversial because of misinterpretation, you know? that unconditional permission to eat is just basically throwing out those preconceived notions that certain foods are good or bad. We got to eat without that like obligatory penance that, you know, I can have this donut, but only because I'm running later today. And that's like, that's harmful. And sometimes to actually address like the making peace with food, it can be a little, it can be tough because we might have like fears that hold us back from it. Like, like what if I'll never stop eating? And that's like, it, I mean, it's a valid fear to think if we, if, if you kind of like step back, but, but really think about like eating chocolate ice cream, you know, love it as much as the next person. And if I said, I'm never, you know, my diet restricts ice cream. I'm not having chocolate ice cream. Well, but then, I, but then I finally get that euphoric, like, you know what? Oh, well, with the diet, I want ice cream. And then you binge eat on, like, so many tubs of ice cream. Mm. That's, like, that's kind of the, what's, what that not having that peace with, like, no, I can have ice cream whenever I want ice cream. And it can be, it can be tough to start to build that thought process because we're really conditioned to think, you know, oh, I can have chocolate ice cream whenever. That doesn't mean I'm going to eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner all week long. I'll never want chocolate ice cream again. <laughs> like, yeah. like really, your body really will crave those, um, those fun foods versus those nutritious foods. Um, right. it's, it's all about the balance. That, that's a good point. And I think we are constantly told that certain foods are bad for us, certain foods are good, like you said. But we're also told that the same food by one person is bad, but 
that same food with another person is good. So we, there's a lot of opinions in the diet space or just in the nutrition space, which is why I'm thankful for people like you, Sarah, that can actually look into why foods matter and, and what the actual nutritional value is. How do we look at all of these different opinions and make decisions about our food? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, there's so much information and it comes at us in ways that we don't even expect it. Um, and it's all feels really definitive and it feels all so true. And so some of it like too good to be true. And it's really tough to kind of determine what is what we should be listening to and, and what's right, especially when it comes from like a source that we trust. Um, so over time, especially from, I mean, you know, like clean your plate, like grandparents and parents and things like that, like just those, like we hear it when we're least expecting it sometimes too, but we develop a ton of food thoughts and judgments over our lifetime. Um, but have we ever really stopped to like examine them and think about well, where did this come from? Why are we saying this? And like, I mean, some of these are like, you know, sweets are bad for you or you shouldn't eat anything after 6 p.m. And uh, you should you should never eat something that has fat in it, uh, avoid carbs at all costs. Those kind of like rules that we're hearing really start to, you know, set in and say like, oh, that's kind of high in carbs. Like, should I should I want it? Should I have it? Oh, I'm bad for wanting it. And so this concept of challenging the food police in the intuitive eating process really dives into answering the question of like, who's talking in our mind? Like when it's the food police talking in your mind, it's like your inner judge and jury are like out to determine if you're doing something good or bad. But in this instance, your biggest ally is actually your own self-talk. So someone can be kind of like, it takes, it takes time and practice to really develop, but we feel so bad when those diet myths or like self-imposed rules are broken, even though they're often super unrealistic, but we have to challenge those in our mind and um, really let go of that all or nothing thought process. Uh, because those, those strict dieting rules really like, like my life is ruined or I'll never like my body or, you know, those just like those really catastrophic thoughts we can reverse those and we can start to like enter the word like I can or I may like I can have what I want to eat when I feel like eating it. And like I may have anything that looks good to me and just really softening that blow. Like when it's it, it's not morally just to, to never have, you know, a milkshake again in your life. And it's super important to have compassion for yourself when you're trying and going through this and, and challenging those pseudo nutrition thoughts to observe eating through like those neutral. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great point. And in addition to just challenging the bad thoughts that we have, what are some things that we can do to help ourselves appreciate food properly? Yeah. So, um, one of the principles discover the satisfaction factor is like one of my favorites because food is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be celebrated. It's meant to be like in addition or like the center of like a gathering. I mean, we gather around food every day, even like, you know, lunch break at work. It, I mean, even the small spaces, like 
food really is something that brings people together and is so special. And like, we're allowed to hold it in that space, but we really can't, we really can't be giving ourselves the, like kind of the lip that like eating salad when you really want a steak is going to give you the same satisfaction. And so um, it's making those like swaps and adjustments that, yeah, sometimes, I mean, if it's medically necessary or you have like an allergy or um, an intolerance that's really going to like harm you, definitely finding swaps and uh, getting food, like, you know, adjusting your diet, super, super important there. But like just as an overall, like how many rice cakes, carrots or like apple slices are you going to eat in order to like attempt gaining the same satisfaction from like a bag of like a small bag of chips? You know, sometimes it's just about like satisfying your need in that moment and just like the, eating a bag of chips. It, it, you know, it leaves you feeling more content later because your mind won't wander off to that food that you missed out on. And you know that you can have that food whenever you want to. So it really diminishes that nagging, like, I should, I shouldn't really have this bag of chips. Like I, but so I'll just like have carrots or apples, you know, those kind of, those kind of things. So it's important though, to check with yourself throughout a meal and see, even if you're having that, you, you are indulging that satisfying food. You need to check and make sure though, like, am I, does this still taste good? Am I still hungry for this to avoid that stuffed overeating, uncomfortable feeling? Because that can also, that's, that's not a good space to be in either. It's all about that balance. I think a lot of people struggle with when they've already made a decision to eat something that previously they thought was off limits and they're enjoying it, they're satisfied. They get to that overeating phase because they think, I've already started this and I've already gone this far. So I'm just going to maximize the indulgence of this particular food. Yeah. So emotional eating specifically is really a spectrum of like, that goes from sort of just like sensory gratification. Like, like I want this, this tastes good from comfort to distraction, even like all the way to punishment, you know, like we need to start identifying emotional triggers um, and actually like listening to your body's desire for, for something is important. So like, if you're feeling that emotional need to eat, like it's important that you notice that your body is telling you like it needs something, but we might just be like looking in those old familiar places like food for comfort to resolve that feeling when it's so much more constructive to branch out and find those new ways to resolve that emotion. And, um, the intuitive eating process goes into these steps that kind of like break it down, like start with the question, am I biologically hungry? And like, if the answer is an undeniable, yes, eat, you know, like it's time for food. But if the answer is no, like, let's keep exploring this feeling and, and, and ask the next question, like, what am I feeling? And this isn't always an easy question to answer, but, um, when you find what you need, like when you find what you're feeling, say, what do I need for that to, to really satisfy that feeling? Like laying up at night when you're exhausted and you just want to veg and like kind of take it, like drain your brain, but you're so tired, but you just want to watch TV and like eat chips or like popcorn or something. Just like, you know, that that's going to make you feel worse afterwards than if you just went to bed and like just took that nap. Your body is crying out for sleep, but we're satisfying it in, in just like a way 
that's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's a wrong way at that time. Yeah. It's not really like eating the need. So mm-hmm. really it's, um, it's all about being gentle and kind with yourself that it takes a lot of practice and it's not going to be perfect and we can't expect perfection, but even trying to listen to what your body is asking for and like addressing it in a way that doesn't revolve around food is like a great step. Yeah. The, the emphasis that intuitive eating has on being mindful of your body and your emotions and your hunger is something that a lot of people miss when it comes to eating. That's usually something that we deal with in another realm. If we're talking specifically about mental health, that's something that will pop up. But with eating, it's very rare that we actually bring the principle of mindfulness into our diet. Yeah, so true. It's so true. And it really is so connected, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about movement and how that helps us with our relationship with food because diet and exercise are almost always linked together and typically when one is suffering the other is as well yeah so you're right a lot of times um when we see those disordered eating habits around food exercise plays a big part in that too they really can go hand in hand so um I like to encourage people that you don't ever need to feel like you should be making up for any like more indulgent actions uh, with calorie restrictions or exercise or, or both. Sometimes, you know, movement should be about how we feel like exercising should be to feel good and to just like get your body moving, get your blood flowing and and not to punish for eating something or not to like reset from like a, a binging weekend or something like that. Like it's really, I like to encourage people to focus on also activities that you enjoy. If you don't, I'm, I don't love a treadmill. Like if you don't like doing something, trying to build habits around it are not going to be successful. So really finding those, like I like to walk my dog instead, or um, even small ways that you can include movement throughout your day can be important, like parking further away from a shop that you're going to. Just really like celebrating what your body can do is kind of how I like to look at exercise and movement rather than that punishing kind of lens. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that's especially important for just a holistic approach to looking at how our body was meant to be. We're meant to eat when we're hungry. We're meant to move around if we have that ability. We're meant to be aware of our surroundings and, and satisfy the actual needs we have as opposed to incorporating other things that are attempting to satisfy the need that really something else should be taken care of. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And um, this is just like a super overview. Um, I totally encourage anybody who's interested to to get this book um, by uh, Evelyn and Elise. And it really is just such a cool way to think about food and just like life and how they mesh together. It really mm-hmm. is like super encompassing. Sarah, thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, We encourage you to uh, look at some of our other nutrition podcasts as well as some of our uh, mental health podcasts that we have as well. Um, That's it for today. Keep 
uh, listening to the Propel podcast. And from all of us here at Propel, be well.